It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six of the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Tuesday. A bit on the cooler side out there. Not cold, but just a bit on the cooler side. All right, lots to talk about, including Governor Gordon strikes back. I'll tell you what that means. But first off, trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Okay, so yesterday I told you that Governor Gordon had been, uh, I'm not going to say censured because that's not what it was, a letter of disapproval. That's all the Republicans can really do at this time. They just the Republican Party in Wyoming had one of their meetings, which is typical before we get up to a legislative session. And the next legislative session is a budget session, by the way. And since Governor Gordon had gone to Harvard University and said that, well, Wyoming is committed to not just carbon neutral, but, you know, carbon negative beyond carbon neutral, carbon negative. Wyoming's committed to that because we got to fight. We have to fight climate change. And the Wyoming Republican Party said, what, what do you mean you you think Wyoming thinks that way? Most of Wyoming doesn't think that way. Most of Wyoming disagrees. And your own Republican Party, Governor Gordon, disagrees with you. You're not speaking for us when you say that. So they wrote a little note of disapproval and voted on it, which is just to let the governor know we disagree. We disapprove. Just flat out don't like what you're doing here. Okay, so Governor Gordon with that no confidence is what is typically just a vote of no confidence. So Governor Gordon was meeting with some people in Jackson. This is the Western Governors Association, and they met in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Gordon said there's some confusion about what decarbonizing the West means. I don't think there's confusion about it, but let me give to you what the governor said. Governor says, it's about time we do about carbon dioxide in, excuse me, I'm saying this wrong. It is about what we do about carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and how we move forward in an aggressive fashion, really, to address that issue and understanding how all energy sources have a place, Governor Gordon said. Well, Governor Gordon, I don't think that there's a misunderstanding. CO2 is not a pollutant. It's not causing a climate crisis. The governor thinks that it does. It is. He's believed this for years. He thinks that it does. And so he wants to decarbonize the West. He's in favor of carbon sequestration. Also, he signed a letter of intent, if you will, 
with the governor of Colorado to set up a facility that would capture CO2 out of just thin air. So there's capturing CO2, for example, if we burn coal, captures CO2 out of the steam stacks and sequester that underground. There's that. But then there's also a facility to be set up that would just capture CO2 out of thin air as the wind blows. And the governor would like to get involved in that as well. Well, that's not in agreement with what the majority of Wyoming thinks, especially our legislative body. So, Governor, we don't misunderstand. We don't agree with you. So I wrote an article this morning about where we go from here. The Wyoming House and Senate is set up the same way our Congress is set up. We are a republic. And I did send a note off to one member of the House of Representatives, my representative, just asking, is there something we can do here? Because my interest is not in trying to convince the governor of my point of view. Governor Gordon has believed this way for a very long time. He will continue to believe this way. I don't think me sitting down with him for a while and trying to convince him otherwise is going to convince him otherwise. You know, there are some people who get stuck in their beliefs and that's what they believe. And I'm I'm not going to change his mind and neither are you or anybody else. But he doesn't represent the majority of what Wyomingites believe in this case. And I can say that safely from where I sit, you know, the people that I talk to on a regular basis and what I see of uh, across Wyoming. There are those who agree with him in the state of Wyoming. But the majority of Wyoming does not believe as the governor does. So what do we do about this? So one of the notes I sent out to my representative, and I'll send it to my member of the Senate as well, and some other people that I know that don't directly represent me, but they're still in the House and Senate, and I I can talk to them. So can you, by the way. And I just asked, is there anything we can do while Gordon is still governor just to stop him? I don't want to argue with the guy. Let him say whatever he wants to say. But, for example, getting involved with Colorado on capturing CO2 out of thin air, would Governor, we're just not going to give you the money to do it. The legislative body will not pass any legislation, and we're not going to give the governor any money to get involved in this. If he wants to encourage it and even try to get uh, donations, commitments from industry out there privately, go ahead. He's still a private citizen. The governor can do what he wants. But we're not going to pass any legislation. No taxpayer money will go toward it. As far as carbon sequestration, which the state's already involved in, but it needs to stop. Power plants and oil refineries and so on. Capturing CO2 and pumping it into the ground, Wyoming should not be involved in that in any way. Not legislatively. Ordering companies to do it, no. And we will not spend any taxpayer money on it. If the governor wants to encourage it on his own... He's a private citizen. He's a free man. He can go ahead and do that. But he's not going to get any help from the state of Wyoming. Again, not through the legislative process and not through any taxpayer money. Let him say whatever he wants. Again, you're not going to convince the guy. Otherwise, he's been believing this, the whole cult of climate change thing, for a very long time. So that's what the Wyoming House and Senate has to do if they want to have any effect. By the way, this next session, which begins... 
uh, I think it's the second Tuesday of January, I think, that begins uh, as a legislative se- – well, I'm sorry, as a budget session. The legislative session was last year. We do this every other year, for those who don't know. One year they're allowed to pass laws. Another year they're allowed to pass a budget. Well, if they're going to pass a budget – then just make sure in that budget the governor doesn't get any money for any of these projects. There. The House and Senate can do that. And the governor complain all he wants. Let him complain. So that's what I'm doing. Besides the people who represent me in the House and Senate, I'm sending off some notes just to other people that I know in the Wyoming House and Senate. Is there something we can do about this? You know, now that the – look – the House and Senate is mostly Republicans anyway. Very few Democrats there. Well, if the Republicans control the House and Senate and they sent this letter of no confidence, then we know where they stand. So now do something about it. Mark in a godforsaken hill just outside of Casper. I say the Democrats are attempting to use the power of Big Fed to impose their Earth Gaia worship religion on the rest of us. Yeah, uh, under the pretext of legitimate government duties. Yes, they are. Mason is in Casper. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Governor Gordon. Bill Hippie in LaGrange. How does this affect carbon dating? <laughs> well, now, if if you want... Look, I suppose there are carbon dating websites where you can find some really hot chick. Go ahead and let me know how that works out for you. Rianne in Fort Danger. He is not too bright then. I did not go to college, and I even know. Well, and I understand where you're going. Is if you want to capture carbon, just uh, plant trees. Yeah. Stick uh, together. Why don't they grow? Okay, I'm reading the rest of your note here, Rianne. No, I really. If you, by the way, Rianne, in case you hadn't heard this, so Bill Gates, among some other people, want to just. It not just plant more trees, but they want to cut down those trees after they've died and bury them deep underground. Because, you see, when a plant starts to decompose, it releases its CO2 back into the air. And that's what they're afraid of. So let the trees and bushes and grasses capture the CO2, but then bury it underground so it can't get back out again. Yeah, these people are brilliant. 616, wake up my own. If it's happening in Wyoming, it's on Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods from K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Six twenty-three is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So, okay, um, since I was talking about Governor Gordon and his whole carbon capture and save the planet thing, let's go over to New Jersey real quick. This has been happening... All over. I've given you cases about off the coast of Maine, New York, New Jersey now, off the coast of California, off the coast of the U.K., wind projects that are out there. And a lot of times on land, too. But here we go. The fallout over a company's decision to pull the plug on the New Jersey offshore wind project is mounting, the story says, with Republicans calling for an audit of the state's contract providing taxpayers subsidies to this Danish-owned company. Once again, there's government subsidies going into a product. Keep the government out of it. This is why I say energy production should have nothing to do with government other than government makes sure that it is done clean 
CO2 is not a pollutant, so don't worry about it. But they take care of the environment for legitimate issues and also that they're doing business in a fair way. You know, they're they're not trying to screw the people. That's it. Uh, But if they want to build, if somebody wants to build a wind farm project somewhere, let them do it on their own money. Get the subsidies out of it. So last week, Orsted, as I think I pronounced announced that it's walking away from two large offshore wind projects off the coast of Jersey. The move delivered a major blow, it says, to the state's clean energy plans. Pause. I always have to correct that. There's nothing clean about this kind of energy. And Governor Phil Murphy's push to put the coastal state on the forefront of the nation's offshore wind industry. The company attributed the decision to scrap the project to significant adverse developments. Supply chain is one of them, leading to delays in the schedule, but there's more than that. Murphy calls the move outrageous and said his legal office is looking into provisions of the company's development agreement that requires it to pay New Jersey $300 million to support the offshore wind sector project. And it's not proceeding now. The, the Republican majority. So you have a Democrat governor and a Republican majority, which has consistently opposed the offshore wind project, wants Murphy and his administration to open up its books on the agreement and the state's attorney general office to claw back any taxpayer money. In other words, get the taxpayer dollars out of it. In a letter... To the governor, GOP leaders requested details of the agreement allowing the company to keep an estimated $1 billion in federal tax credits, not tax dollars, but tax credits, that were supposed to be passed on to the Jersey utility uh, ratepayers to offset potential higher electricity rates. Hold on a second now. <clears throat> See, once again, this is not what we were told. We're told that it's clean and green. It's not. We're told it's sustainable. It's not. We're told it's reliable. It's not. We're told it's going to lower our electricity bill. In this case, they were actually setting up to make sure that electricity rates didn't go too high. They knew in advance that putting up this wind project was going to raise electricity rates. Quote, we want transparency and accountability for this colossal waste and failure. So nothing happens again like this. Uh, They said, uh, equally important, we want to assure that your administration, in this case, Governor of New Jersey administration, is exhausting every effort to regain the $1 billion in cash and tax credits allocated to this boondoggle. One senator said the governor's administration must take immediate action to regain any funds that were used to subsidize this. In other words, if they're pulling out, we want our money back. But think about what this should mean to the people of New Jersey. They were going to get this wonderful wind farm, which of course was going to chew up and kill a whole bunch of birds, but okay. God knows what it would do to the whales, but okay. Forget all, don't worry about that. It's clean, it's sustainable, it's good for the planet. Don't worry about what it does to the wildlife. I'm sorry. And it doesn't matter that your power was going to be intermittent. You know, what you're going to do with the wind turbine blades or those battery units, you know, that become toxic waste. But don't worry about all of that. But also your utility rates were going to go up. And we were trying to put in whatever we could in place to make sure your utility rates went down, not up. 
or at least stayed the same. You see, so you see the problem that we have here. This was supposed to, they said, provide all sorts of power to homes in the area. And meantime, here in Wyoming, we're still having an argument with our utility company because they want to raise rates by up to 30%. And they say it has nothing to do with these projects. They swear. Coming up on 6.30, local news coming your way. Right after local news update on your weather forecast, you and I get back into it again. Let's wake up Wyoming. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. I'm just happy to be here. Still, I know the world's on fire. The situation's dire. A lot of work occur. It's going to be required. But... Start your day the right way. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Thirty-six of time. It's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. The extended forecast from Don Day is coming your way. Temperatures are dropping a bit, but not a lot. I mean, it's just a little bit cooler than it was past few days. Other than that, not too bad. I came across an article which I'll spend a little more time on today, but also this week from Intellectual Takeout. Why so many tolerant? We'll put that in quotes. Tolerant people are actually the opposite of that. And I really do love, I hate to say it that way, but it's true. When I come across people who preach tolerance, and yet, at the same time, they say the most intolerant things I've ever heard. Yet they say they're the tolerant ones as they speak intolerance. The story here, Daniel Ladder is the author of this, has become common to point out that those who most preach tolerance are often themselves highly intolerant. Why is that? University of Texas professor and ethics expert. Wow. How do you pronounce his name? Wait, give me a second while I try this. Bud Zewoski. B-U-D-Z-I-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I. How would you even pronounce it? Anyway, he explains it may have a lot to do with tolerance character as a virtue. So he says, I'll explain, he says, what this guy is trying to get across. Tolerance is a virtue. And a lot of people like to virtue signal. They don't actually do these things. They just virtue signal. He says a virtue is a behavior that lies between the extremes of deficiency and excess and assists in one's pursuit of trying to do good despite the messiness of its application today tolerance is a virtue through which one puts up with something in order to in the words of this author prevent greater evils advance the greater good so you must be tolerant of some things for the greater good he goes into a lot of deep detail on this, and I'll go ahead and, and dive into that at another point because this is one of those guys who he really uh, explains things using too many words, overthinking it. And I can go ahead, like I did with my book, The Uncomplicated Life, simplify that. But basically what he's trying to say is some people claim to be tolerant and really believe themselves to be, but in fact what it is is actually virtue signaling it's one of those, I am better than you because I claim to be tolerant. I claim to care more. 
is really what it is. I don't, but I claim and I feel like I care more. There we get into feelings. I feel that, but they don't actually do. I love to point out with the cult of climate change, those people who live large, and yet, as much as they might live large, they claim that they want to save the planet by cutting their carbon footprint. We've talked about the climate hypocrites over and over again. The money hypocrites, those people like Barack Obama, to name one. Well, at some point, I think you have enough money. Really, Obama, how much money do you have now? And also a big, he's also a big climate hypocrite, but, you know. And I love picking on Bernie Sanders for his level of hypocrisy. Googly eyes, Ocasio-Cortez for their level of hypocrisy. By the way, all the people that I've just mentioned claim to be tolerant people, and yet they're not. I wonder if we take a look at the squad and those members of the squad, like Tlaib, who hate Israel, who hate Jews, and yet they will claim to you to be tolerant people, and yet I don't see much tolerance in it. It's the virtue signaling thing. Well, they claim to be, and they certainly feel that they are. In most cases, I think it's a way for them to feel superior and better about themselves. Personally, I think there's a lot of self-loathing that goes on with these folks. I mean, honestly, they just hate themselves that much. And so they have to do anything they can to make themselves feel better. And by by making themselves feel better, what they do is they try to feel superior to everybody else. That's tolerance for you. That's preaching tolerance without actually being tolerant. You know, if you are something, you don't have to talk about it or brag about it. You just do it. You just live it. I find the people who brag about something the most are the people who are the least of it, whatever it might be. Someone who brags about their virtues oftentimes don't live up to the virtues that they brag about. Hmm. Chet and Yoda. So I guess they will filter it out of the atmosphere. Makes perfect sense if you're an idiot. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about because Chet, going back to what the governor was doing, I had the governor on this program and we talked about his whole carbon sequestration thing and capturing CO2 out of thin air. Even the governor admits that all of that work doesn't really amount to a whole lot of hill of beans. It doesn't really do what what they hope it will do. They're not going to capture that much CO2 out of the air to make a difference in any way. But they want to do it anyway. And I really was confused as to why the governor wanted to go ahead with something that he even admitted doesn't really do a whole lot. 642 is the time. Wake up, my own. The best talk show host in the state. Within his price range. Tune in to Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods, weekdays at 6. Six forty-eight. the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. So I forgot to mention to you yesterday, Frank, is probably the biggest sporting event in Wyoming in the past uh, few weeks or the season anyway. Casper Mann and his big beard win second in the National Beer Championship. Oh, wait a second now. Hey, Miss Mary. Were we supposed to call? I'm talking to Frank and I didn't get an answer. Then I looked down the hallway. I can see through that little window to the studio over there. And, oh, I don't see Frank. And he was talking about going on the road yesterday. Or or did he not show up for work? Okay. See, there's the problem there is when we we, we don't know exactly where he is. Frank Gambino, Studio 6. Frank 
Gambino, Studio 6. Okay, he said he'd be here every day but Friday. Did he oversleep again? That's the next thing I want to know. Did it, Or is he downstairs? <clears throat> See, and I had this great story all ready to go here, and then I looked down over there. Nope. Studio doors open and the lights on, so he's not over there. Or lights off, so he's not over there. Okay, so we got to find out where Frank is. So anyway, while we're trying to figure that out, here's the story that I was going to give to Frank. November of 2022, Casper front and center for the Honest Amish National Beard and Mustache Championship. So I wondered, do you have to be Amish? Men, women from all over the U.S. Okay, I guess you don't have to be Amish. Rolled into Casper to compete in many different types of categories to be crowned champion. For one bearded fellow from Casper, Wyoming, it put him on the national rankings for beard. Corey Stovall, better known as Big Grizz to a lot of his friends. And you'd understand when you see his beard. Is a fishing and hunting guide, flagman at Casper Speedway. That's pretty good. Fishing and hunting guide, flagman at Casper Speedway, race reporter for My Country 95.5, and national beard grower. Wow. <clears throat> He's got it going on here. And when I look at this, I think, well, if you want a hunting guide out here, hunting, uh, hunting and fishing guide, you want a guy who looks Wyoming, like a big cowboy hat and a massive beard. Last year, he won the championship for having the best full natural 6 to 12-inch beard out of everyone in the country. This year, he comes in second. Judges were correct, it says, because Big Grizz just defended his crown, having the best of natural for that size and shape of beard. So I, I had no idea was this involved or that it was even happening in this state. In the 2023 uh Amish National Beard and Mustache Championship. Uh, they were held where the weather is a bit warmer, more sand and so on. Daytona Beach this time. So they didn't have it in Wyoming. They had it in Daytona Beach. Big Grizz was picked up Cowboy State. Well, it, so he flies all the way to sunny Florida to compete in this competition and wins again. Not only did he win the championship trophy, but he was also part of the Guinness's World Book of Records for breaking 195 feet of connected beard. So now, no, his beard is not 195 feet. He connected with other people who have beards and mustaches, and it added up to 195 feet. Mark, Godforsaken Hill, just outside of Casper, does the National Beard Contest have a female mustache division? That is an excellent question. Because I have met uh, ladies out there who clandestinely shave their mustache. That These women, in their defense, it's purely genetics. It really is. It's purely genetics. I've met some very attractive women, but just because of where they're from on planet Earth, they get just the tiniest amount of facial hair, and so they actually shave that. Which I would always, I've always wondered. So if I were to kiss her and she hadn't shaved recently, am I going to get a little bit of a burn there like some of you ladies do if a guy doesn't shave on a regular basis? That little bit of a whisker burn that you can get. I would hate to get that from a lady, but there are ladies out there that do that. So, okay. That is the national competition. The guy went all the way down 
to Daytona Beach, Florida to participate in this thing, which I didn't know that that was the case. And so it's a Casper, Wyoming guy who last year he won, according to this. This year he came in second, which is still, as far as I'm concerned, defending his title. And he has this big, thick, if you're wondering what this looks like, it's his natural hair color, which is a dark hair color. It's a really wavy beard. And it goes all the way down to, let's say, below his chest just a little bit. Really thick, heavy beard with natural waves and curls in it. So it's pretty impressive. All right, coming up on some local business that we have to take care of, then we're going to roll into news time after that national local update on the weather forecast. And you and I get back into it again for hour two of the program. Let's wake up Wyoming. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Tuesday. I will get Don Day on the phone 745 to talk about some change in the weather, which mostly, as some of you getting a little bit of rain this morning, mostly what we're going to have is just some cooler temperatures, not bitter cold. As you heard in the forecast, this thing's cooled down a bit. Get the details to you at 745. We'll get to open phones a little bit later on. Right now, though, I just sent this story that I'm about to get into with to Judy Jones in Mills because... Her and her husband run a small trucking company. And the headline of the story has to do with problems in the trucking industry. And if it doesn't get fixed, what it's going to do to our economy. Hate to do this. But. Now, Fever, you were trucking with a rubber duck, and I'm about to pull a plug on your drink. This, uh, by the way, that song, which became a big hit song way back in the 70s, and of course, somebody looked at the popularity of the song at the time and had to go make a movie out of it. And the movie was just stupid fun. No, I mean, it was really heavy on the stupid side, but a whole lot of fun at the same time. So, Not as good as Smokey and the Bandit, though. Not a whole lot can be as good as Smokey and the Bandit. But anyway, all right, so here's the headline of the story. What the Great Trucking Recession is warning us about the economy. Now, early this morning, I wrote a story about gas prices, which are continuing to fall. They're still way too high, but at least they've come down. But at the end of the story, I included a couple of little bits in there, including a video from a news reporter and so on, where the warning is careful now. Take advantage of these gas prices while you can, because they might just pop up. Uh, real soon, and I mean quite a bit, and for several reasons. And one of yeah, Biden administration too. But one of the reasons is the trucking industry, which delivers so much of your fuel 
not just around the country, but even locally. Even that stuff that is delivered by pipeline has to get to you locally. So there's your trucking industry. And our friend Judy and Mills, this is a lot of what she does, her and her husband, delivering that kind of fuel. So, okay. Story says, Jonestown, Pennsylvania. Two months ago, 30,000 truckers at Yellow lost their jobs when one of the nation's oldest and largest trucking companies filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Last week, Convoy, the digital freight broker that was supposed to reinvent the wheel and disrupt the trucking industry in a positive way, also abruptly closed their doors. These were supposed to be the people who were going to fix any kind of problems. All right. The story says these kinds of closings are both uh, freight carriers uh, uh, lay bare the uncertain state of trucking and industry that is an indicator of the mood of the customers, but also the economy, the heartbeat, basically. If you think about our interstate highway system as the veins of America, even the smaller highways and back roads, that's the blood veins of America. And the blood vessels are our trucks. That's actually what's transporting the goods. That's the blood right there. And if you disrupt it, we're in trouble as a nation. So, quote, in my opinion, this industry is heading in the wrong direction. And when the trunking company's supply chain freight is heading in the wrong direction, so is the country. He said, I am just not sure that people understand the problem. That's Rick McQuaid. Oh, wow, what a great name. He's a owner of a trucking company. He runs a freight company. He used to be a trucker himself. Rick McQuaid. That sounds like the name of a hero in a 1970s kind of movie, too. Rick McQuaid. Anyway, he says the damage started when people went on a spending spree during COVID. The government was giving out cash. People started ordering things in a way they never have before. As a result, he said, new trucks were on the road to meet the customers. Beginning last year, the need started to recede when customers' spending dropped. We had to, we hit a whole recession area there, he said. And that hits truckers and their companies hard. The economy is slowing down from this frenzy. People aren't buying that much anymore. He said, in other words, last year from Pittsburgh to Allentown, maybe $1,200 this year. We're lucky to get $900 for the same load. You have more truckers fighting for the same loads now and a lot of times i a while back was talking to someone who's a trucker who he was given a call he was in uh, somewhere around denver could you take this load here from denver up to this town in nebraska and he ran the numbers and said no and the reason why was not just the cost of fuel to get up there but as Judy will tell you, boy, there's the cost in permitting and all sorts of other garbage as well. Just made driving the load up there just from around Denver to up into Nebraska just financially not worth it. He would have done it at a loss. So this gentleman, Mr. McQuaid, says inflation is a big part of that. At the same time, operating costs are going up. He said... He also runs a a logistic company that a series of warehouses holding imports and exports. Well, they're just holding them. He said the recession is real. It isn't just that in the trucking world. It's also air freight, rail industries. 
Yeah, so this is where, of course, we need to have the Biden administration, as well as several states, California being one, saying that, oh, yeah, we need to get to all electric trucks now. Yeah, that's going to make things better. He said he worries that not enough people are considering the wider implications of people not spending and truckers not having anything to move. He said the slump is real. McQuaid, still loving that name, said the trucking industry or any form of transportation that's moving goods is the ultimate economic indicator of where we're heading. He said it provides very valuable insights into the health of where the economy is going and into the mindset of the customer. Now, this gentleman is talking mainly about the customer. But now what I would also like to talk about is and how difficult it is to work with your government. I should say governments because there are problems with the, the city. I would say this all the time, city, county, state, federal. you got to deal with all of these entities you know, and they're constantly changing the rules, especially when you get into some of the states. I pick on California, but that's truckers will pick on California, too. We get into some states, it's just about impossible to do business with them. So what then for the trucking industry that has always operated on a razor thin margin as it was? I do know there's people out there who are in the trucking industry. They drive truck because they love to drive truck. They really do love to drive truck. And there are some people who can make a pretty good living at it. But it has gotten harder over the past few years. So it's not just economically. This gentleman I was just reading from, people are spending less. It's hurting the industry is what he's saying. But what I'm moving into as well is, and we don't need all of the excess regulations that we have. And we certainly don't need any more help from the Biden administration or California doing more to harm the trucking industry. Well, we, you know, we've got to make it more clean and green and as they as they push for this they make it harder more expensive harder for members of the anybody in the trucking industry to make a profit of this but also more expensive and if it's more expensive to truck it then it's more expensive for you as a consumer right so there are answers here a lot of the to make this easier to fix this problem a lot of the answers of what i often talk about we're not more government regulations to make things more difficult, but fewer of them. A few common sense rules that we all need, that we have to have in order to run the industry. Other than that, let the industry do what it does. Right now, what we have is micromanaging of the industry, which is destroying the industry. And as I said, you think of the highway system from the big highways to the small ones to your local roads. Those are the veins, the arteries. And the trucks, well, that's the blood. 715, wake up, Wyoming. This show contains sarcasm that some listeners may find disturbing. A sense of humor is advised. Chat with Glenn live on the Wake Up Wyoming app. Twenty-one's a time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Okay, I'm getting a little bit into the trucking industry here and some of the problems that they're having across the country. So, from a website called the Center Square, which is a pretty good, not as well-known news site, but they do a pretty good job. They write, the Washington Electric Vehicle Council, did you know there was such a thing, is finalizing its transportation electrification strategy for the legislator to shift the transportation sector from organic fuels to electricity, which means coal-powered trucks, basically. 
But Now, I've talked about this before. There's absolutely no way. In fact, I wonder, I don't, I probably don't have the audio here, but I'll take a look at it. Because, oh, wait, I do. Okay. So why is it not possible to do this? Well, let's ask a trucker. Do you ever see yourself going 100% EV? No. And why not? Like this truck, like a long truck uses about two and a half megawatts of power per day. With extra capacity in the battery means you need a three megawatt battery pack. The biggest one is like a Tesla Semi, which is like a one megawatt. Like, so you need three megawatts to run an electric truck. That would mean you would need to pack 50,000 pounds, 40, 50,000 pounds of batteries just to do a full day. And then let's say we can even get those batteries down to the same weight where it's reasonable. The grid infrastructure, we haven't invested in our electrical grid since the 1950s, 1960s, 70s. Like, did you give me an example? Logging trucks in BC. That's a niche industry. There's a 5,000 logging trucks that haul logs at two and a half megawatts of consumption per day. That's 12 and a half gigawatts of power. Site C Dam has been under construction for the last, oh, I don't know, 15 years at a cost of $20 billion. And that has a 1.1 gigawatt. So a $20 billion dam that takes 15 years to build has a one. 1.1 gigawatt capacity and logging trucks, just logging trucks alone are using 12 and a half gigawatts. You would have to flood an area of land the size of Wales to produce that hydropower. Well, like, like we need a lot to make a fully electric feasible on the North American grid with batteries and all that. But if you can make it more efficient and you can make it a hybrid and you can reduce your fuel consumption by 50%. So you get the idea. He goes on and on like that. But that's a actual trucker who knows what he's talking about. So no, you truckers are not all these just idiots out there just driving truck. This guy is pretty knowledgeable here and I looked into what he was talking about and he's pretty much dead on with all of that. The amount of power that would be needed and we're not capable of doing anywhere near it right now with the grid that we have and the amount of time it would take and et cetera, et cetera. So, okay. This council which is the Washington Electric Vehicle Council. Council's number one meeting. Department of Commerce Director uh, State Effective and Environmental Performance watershed that goes on with its long title. Our roadmap to making electric vehicles the default option, the new normal, they say. That's quoting them. However, the state trucking industry is warning of fatal flaws in that plan that could derail more than just the state's environmental objectives. So in the letter, the EV Council Washington Trucking Association president, so we're talking so you know, state of Washington here, okay, uh, says the aspirational policies have no ground in reality. The state's goal of shifting EV faces numerous logistical and practical obstacles, one of which is infrastructure, according to the council, like you just heard the gentleman say there. The state will need 3 million charging posts by 2035, which would require building 250,000 annually starting this year. Currently, there are about uh, 4,600 charging ports, and it's, it's about, uh, it talks about how much money to get into this, too, and they don't have the money to do this either. There's the next thing. They don't have the money to do this. Another obstacle is cost, which they seek to address in part by providing public subsidies for EV purchases, but they don't have the money for those subsidies. In exchange for scrapping all organic fuel vehicles, despite the aggressiveness of these strategies. The council has already considered that Washington, state of Washington's transportation sector won't meet the state's 2030 carbon emission reduction goals. Not even close. Not even close to it. 
So here, once again, they have all of these goals of reducing CO2 with wind and solar and et cetera. They're not even close to. I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute because not being even close to it means we're all doomed. Well, we are supposed to be doomed already, but all right. The draft says the trucking electrification in the state of Washington is in, it's got economic problems. Vehicles with strong potential to reduce local air pollution, removing bottlenecks, and uh, the availability of these electric vehicles right now and everything to build the infrastructure, they just simply don't have it. However, they wrote in their letter, we are slowly building up capacity. Well, you don't have what you need to build this or the money, but all right. She added, we are talking about strategies that stand to impact our entire supply chains, which, as we've all seen during the pandemic, plus a major role in Washington's economy, these strategies are completely unrealistic. They're putting this in their own letter. Here's someone who's in favor of the strategy, but putting in their own letter that at this time, our strategies are completely unrealistic. Now, when I said they're not going to meet their goals by 2035, so states like Washington would like to have all of these electric trucks, California too, they like it all done by 2035. I don't know why they came across that random goal, but 2035. Okay, let's see here. We're at 20, we're coming up on 2024 right now. Okay, so we'll do 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 30, Uh, So we're talking 12 years from now. I just want to make sure I got this, including this year. I think that's about 12 years now, right? Okay. So let's see. If we don't do this, Himalayan glaciers will be melted away by 2035. So we have 11 years to go. 11, 12 years. Okay. Uh, U.S. military could collapse uh, due to climate change. That's supposed to happen by then. Okay. We reach a tipping point, in other words. Uh, too late to avert a catastrophe. That's another tipping point. What I'm looking at is a website that I love to go to called Extinction Clock. And the Extinction Clock shows what is supposed to have happened by now and what they say is going to happen if we don't reach certain goals. Now, let's not forget, Greta Thunberg... I did it earlier this year. We had a party for the beginning of the end because Greta Thunberg, quoting the climate scientist, said we had five years to get off of coal, gas, and oil or it, we're done. We reached a tipping point and it's over. Well, that happened 139 days ago. So we've already reached several tipping points. We're supposed to be doomed already. So I don't know why we're bothering to even try this. We're supposed to be doomed already. And yet they keep pushing to this. All right. Coming up on 7.30, local news coming your way right after local news. Update on your weather forecast. Oh, uh, Don Day is coming on at 7.45 to give an extended forecast, which shows a bit cooler, a little bit wetter, but nothing drastic yet. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Sure, this show is sustainable. We sequester all gas emissions to one room. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 and FM 95.1, weekdays at 6. 
26 to time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Pardon me, I'm just sending notes between Miss Mary and I here. Okay, so, um, since I was talking about the trucking industry just a moment ago, let's take a look at gas prices here in the state of Wyoming and around the country as well. Gas prices are down quite a bit. That's good news. They're still a lot higher than they're really supposed to be or should be. But at least they've come down some. But the worry that I have is prices going back up again, which could happen. Here's the story that I put on the Wake Up Wyoming website this morning. Starts off with, okay, down 7.8 cents from last week. That's great. Your local price might vary, but average price in Wyoming, average, is $3.43 a gallon. Now, national average, not for a... We're actually... Um, right about where the national average is. So, okay. The price dropped off, let's see, 6.6 cents. Overall, Wyoming prices are now 29.3 cents per gallon lower than one month ago. That's pretty good. Almost 30 cents lower than a month ago. All right. Lowest price in Wyoming is $2.79 a gallon. Lowest price in the state. According to Gas Buddy, as of this morning, that I could find, right? Highest price in the state that I could find, $4.49 a gallon. Don't go to Jackson Hole anytime soon. All right, so for the seventh straight week, we've seen the national gas price decline, according to the manager over at Gas Buddy. With cooler weather comes cooler gasoline prices, and we inch closer to the Thanksgiving holiday Prices should continue to fall. He says eight states are seeing an average of prices about around $3 per gallon. There are some states where it's a lot higher than that. Don't go to New York. Don't go to California. Dear Lord, what they're paying right now. Millions. Oh, and by the way, Governor Gavin Newsom in California wanted to lower gas prices because gas prices there kept going up. He wanted to lower those prices. So he reduced through legislative orders some regulations to try to at least hold back those gas prices. Golly gee, you mean if you get government out of the way, prices come down? Yeah, in most cases they do. So Gas Buddy says while the national average is now the lowest since March, decline is likely to continue for at least a couple of weeks. California could actually fall below $5.00 while other states fall below $3. Millions of Americans already have access to two ninety nine gallon average or cheaper. Now, that is still a hell of a lot higher than it's supposed to be, but at least that's come down quite a bit. So take these prices while you can, and again, maybe enjoy another dip, according to Gas Buddy, for the next couple of weeks or so. But... According to several articles that I came across, because I was wondering about this, was it just me? Should I talk to some of these other people or at least look up some other articles? And I found several. We have a lot of problems out there. The problem in the Middle East right now, of course. Problems in Ukraine, stuff like that, of course. World problems like that will affect our gas prices. There's what I just got done talking about with the trucking industry, and the trucking industry does ship our gas around. More pipelines, better, but you still need trucks to get it to your local gas station. So between pipeline problems, thank you environmentalists and Biden administration, and trucking problems and economic problems, again, states and Biden administration not helping there. 
All of this will end up shooting prices way up. Economic problems, we're not out of them. We still have quite a few in this country that could end up shooting your gasoline prices way up. So it's nice to have that little bit of a reprieve. We're all enjoying that. That's why I'm saying between now and according to Gas Buddy, maybe the next week or two, enjoy those lower prices and take advantage of them while you can. Now, I'm not saying that in two weeks it suddenly shoots up, but at some point, there's a really good chance of that happening, which is not just what I was wondering about, but I went looking for people who follow this, not just Gas Buddy, but uh, various economists, the kind of economists, you know, the the few that get something right once in a while. Yeah, start asking them, are all my different fears going to come true or not? We don't know. We don't really ever know what's going to happen until after it happens. But just keep an eye on that because there's a good chance of another spike sometime down the road. That's what we're watching for. All right. So Wyoming prices in the story that I included, there's a link to Gas Buddy. If not, you can just go gasbuddy.com. And I'm wondering, do they have an app for that? I think they do. But one of my favorite features of theirs is a heat map. It shows the United States in different colors to show where the prices are higher and lower. And you can go ahead and touch on your area and find average prices, but also zoom in if you want to. They have a a listing of gas stations, those that report, so you can find possibly the lowest prices in your area. 742, wake up Wyoming. No chickens making of this show. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Dialed 888-97-WOODS to join the conversation. Seven forty-five is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Off we go to talk to Don Day from Day Weather. Well, Don, I'm noticing as you had foretold with your crystal ball and chicken bones that we have a bit of a change-up happening today, starting with some cloudy weather, maybe a drizzle in a few places. Yeah, we on radar. We do see a little bit of rain and snow shower activity. There's been enough snow to make uh, some small accumulations around an inch or two around the Evanston area. We do have uh, on radar also light rain and snow showers scattered about parts of the northeast, the central, and the southwest. Nothing that's going to be anything to write home about. But there are going to be pockets of showers around today and tonight. So they're they're not going to close I-80. Okay, just making sure we got... Yeah, check it. Oh, well, you you got to wonder. I mean, a flake of snow comes down. I mean, I-80 closes. It's just the way that works. But it's cooler, though, not colder. Cool but not cold is a good way to describe it. The air is coming off the Pacific Northwest Coast. So it's certainly colder air that's coming in than what we've experienced here over the last few days. It's really been really quite nice. But it's not air coming out of Northwest Canada. So you're, we're going to cool off, but we're going to cool off to average highs. Average highs this time of year? 40s and lower 50s, and that's exactly where we're going to end up. After today, the second half of the weekend and the weekend, those 40s and 50s will be very commonplace. Really, after the showers that move through today and tonight into tomorrow morning, the amount of shower activity, chances of them between Thursday and Sunday are pretty low. Okay. So another nice weekend in the store there. Now, every time I watch your podcast for the past few weeks, your Cowboy State Daily podcast on YouTube, you always end up saying, but next week, because things are just gradually changing. So there's a bit more happening next week, it looks like. It, it, there it, there will be. And it's going to start early to mid next week with a large storm rolling into the West Coast. We may end up seeing some significant rains and snows hitting California. And that weather will arrive early next week. But it may take a while 
before that weather comes off the West Coast and into the Rockies. So, so yes, we see some weather coming next week, but it may not be till late next week. All right. Thank you, Don. Don Day from Day Weather. So, yeah, we're just sort of easing into this winter season. Off we go to the icebox where Frank Gambino is waiting by. So Frank's task today at, at this particular break is to explain why he didn't make it from the last break. And I... Because you're never late, Frank. You're always on time. Oh, so boy. I figure I want to hear, like, UFOs and Bigfoot. But what do you got? Well, okay, here's, you know, the, the, the last time I was late, you know, mm-hmm. it was operator error because yeah. I didn't set the alarm. Ah, okay. Yeah, hey, yeah. this time yeah. you would think that there is a difference between a.m. and p.m.? Uh-huh, yeah. And if you set the alarm for p.m., yeah. it doesn't ring at a.m. Oh, I see. Okay, so, yeah. My level of pathetic is <laughs> Has pathetic. Just increased here. Okay. It's, how how low can yeah. I go? Yeah. Now, do I mean, you have the traditional old alarm clock yes, there, like yes, a digital one? Yes. It has the okay. red numbers and everything in it. It, 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 it works fine. The person yeah. operating the clock is an idiot. I see. Okay. Which is why. See, now, I used to have a, an alarm clock that, I mean, made a horrible buzzing noise. That's what this one is. Yeah. So I hated that. So I switched to a radio alarm clock for a while. Now, what I enjoyed for the longest time, I was living in Florida at the time, and there was a young lady who worked for public radio overnight. She was a college student that was learning radio. Okay. And so when my alarm clock went off, I heard her voice, good morning, it's Ooh. 2 a.m. <laughs> and all that was just 72 degrees. It was, Oh, she was lovely. Then one day she graduated and I had to change the channel because they got some guy who didn't really want to be there and sounded half asleep anyway. And so I just couldn't have him wake me up anymore. I wanted to marry her. Oh, but yeah. that guy, you know, I don't know. I, I guess you can wake up to the radio with, like, you know, ACDC yeah. or something. That'll, that'll get you up. Well, the, the way it's been for me, I've gotten myself into such a routine now that I tend to wake up way before my alarm clock ever goes off. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. Oh, okay. You know, we want the very last, every millisecond of sleep is oh, okay. important. I, I've also switched to my phone. That's, oh, Yes. Okay, see, now what yes. I do is I put my phone by my bed. Yes. I make sure it's charged and all, or is charging. And then I say to my phone, I speak to it, and I tell it, activate alarms. And it tells me, alarms activated. There, and I can look at the clock and see that those alarms are actually, in fact, activated. And then I switched over to this nice little music that plays, and the music gets louder and louder and louder until eventually it wakes me up. You know, the phone, you know, you, yeah. you set the alarm, you can do it for Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Exactly. At the same day. The, the phone is too smart for me, evidently. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if you need help setting that up, maybe. But no, 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 me, no, 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 oh, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm a natural-born idiot. Forget about oh, it. Oh, okay. Let's move on. That's fine. Okay. But next time, if you're ever late again, I want to hear stories about Bigfoot and UFOs oh, and abductions and stuff like that. I don't want you to tell me what really happened, oh, Frank. Maybe it was the sheep jumping over the fence kind of a thing. Women's college basketball from last night. The Wyoming Cowgirls defeated North Dakota in Laramie 77-60. UW outscored North Dakota 20-7 in the 
the fourth quarter. And Douglas High School grad Allison Furtick turned in another terrific performance with 18 points and 11 rebounds. She was 5 of 9 from the field, 8 for 8 from the free throw line. In fact, the Cowgirls were 14 of 14 from the line, but an iffy 3 of 21 from the three-point line. Wyoming will host Nebraska on Friday night. Wyoming Cowboys open up the season tonight in Laramie against Northern New Mexico at 6.30. There's nowhere to go but up after a train wreck of a season a year ago. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KCGY in Laramie. Wyoming Cowboy football team will be at UNLV on Friday night. The Pokes are coming off a 24-15 win over Colorado State in the border war back on Friday. They get the 6-3 and overall, 3-2 and in Mountain West play. Pokes retain the bronze booth. They're also bowl eligible. Defense was really sharp against CSU, holding the Rams to 54 yards on the ground. They forced three turnovers, and they did a great job on third down as CSU went 0 for 10 on third down. On offense, Harrison Whaley with a nice game running the football with 128 yards on the ground. Quarterback Andrew Peasley threw a couple of TD passes. Now, UNLV is much improved as the Rebels sit at 7-2 and overall, 4-1 and in league play. That'll be an 8.45 start from Vegas on Friday. And we'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB and Larry. Junior College Volleyball. Casper College earned a spot in the National Junior College Tournament with a winning the B portion of the Region 9 Tournament in Sterling, Colorado over the weekend. The Birds won two matches on Saturday to punch their tickets to Nationals, beating Central Wyoming and Western Wyoming. Casper College is rated 17th in the country with a record of 28-12, and 12, and that National Tournament will be in Hutchinson, Kansas, starting on the 15th of November. The LCCC volleyball team from Cheyenne was eliminated by Casper College on Friday in that Region 9 tournament. They finished the year with a record of 29-8. and 8. The Casper College men's soccer team earned a spot at the National Tournament with a win over Otero in the Region 9 tournament finals in La Junta, Colorado, in a match that lasted six rounds of penalty kicks. The Casper College women's soccer team finished the year 13-2-2, but did not qualify for the National Tournament, losing to Otero in penalty kicks in the Region 9 tournament. The birds were rated 14th in the country. The LCCC women's soccer team did qualify for the National Tournament, beating Otero 3-0 on Saturday. LCCC was rated 19th in the country, and they have a record of 10-3-3 right now. That's it in sports. So LCCC actually not bad for a Oh, as, as far as community colleges go, it's well, actually got a pretty good sized campus. Yeah, and and Casper College too. I mean, I I think that you know the junior colleges here have some nice places. Okay, they really do, and yeah. they, you know they <clears throat> they can do anything that they they want as long as there's money. Well, the the only the only pro, uh, junior college program that's kind of eliminated athletics is, is Sheridan College. Yeah. So select elected to you know go away from them and just say. We're just going to do this on our own. Okay. Mandy May says he's with you, and she's with you in the morning on your troubles with alarm clocks. Oh, yeah, thank, thank good I'm not alone. Okay. Oh, by the way, with L Triple C, come into my studio real quick, and I'll tell you something that I saw in their engineering department. Okay. People who want to get into engineering need to go to L Triple C and try and trust me. When I explain this to you, it's going to blow you away. Sure. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business news time after that weather forecast. Open phones. Wake up, Wyoming. Six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Tuesday. Been on the rainy side out there for some people. Some people in the high country getting a little bit of snow. Most of the state just kind of cloudy right now and on the cooler side. So, all right. We have reached the most dangerous time in the radio program this time every day at about this time. 
I'll say time one more time so you can show up at the station and slap me for saying time too many times. It's open phones. When you get to take over, if you want. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven was the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. You can talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. For those who are a little bit late, you didn't show up right at six o'clock in the morning when class begins. That's okay. I just need a note from mommy or your doctor. But there's a story that I put up. It's on the Wake Up Wyoming website right now. I'll just catch you up on it real quick. Then I'm moving on to some other things. So. Governor Gordon is squaring off against legislators on the whole idea of Wyoming not just being carbon neutral, but carbon negative, as he calls it. And if you remember from yesterday's program, the Wyoming Republican Party voted on uh, basically a letter of no confidence. And that's all that is, is just telling the governor, we're not happy with what you're saying or doing. Don't have any confidence to you. Just letting them know their displeasure. That's all. It's really happening. And the governor responded to that. And I don't think the governor quite understands what's being said to him. Governor was in Jackson Hole Monday at the Western Governors Association where he spoke about this. And he says, it's about what we do about carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and how we move forward in an aggressive fashion really to address that issue and understand how all energy sources have a place. Well, we don't need to do anything about carbon dioxide. We don't need to sequester it. We don't need to be carbon neutral. We don't need to be carbon negative. And that's where I think the governor's misunderstanding on that. So I did get an answer back from not just the lady who represents me in the House of Representatives, but some other members of the Wyoming House and Senate. And I was asking them, because I was sending those notes out this morning as I wrote that article. And the answer I was getting back from members of the Wyoming House and Senate is in this upcoming legislative session, they're looking at ideas to just basically to put the brakes on what the governor wants to do. And, and that includes a project with Colorado where we would set up a system that would just grab CO2 out of thin air and sequester it and other sequestration and storage projects for our power plants and refineries, things like that. I was just asking, can we just get out of it somehow? Quit spending taxpayer money, resources, time on this. And the legislative body should be able to do it if they can get together on it to just sell the governor. You can say whatever you want, governor. If that's what you believe, then that's what you believe. But we're not going to support you on this. We're just not going to. You're not going to get the money or the resources to pursue it. Unless you want to do it privately, that's a different thing. So apparently they're working on that, but I don't know what that means. That's just the answer that I got. Yeah, we got some things in the works. I'll keep you posted on that. All right. Now, besides open phones, I like to take some time on occasion just to pick on California because they're the poster child on everything wrong and everything we 
should not be doing. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Babylon Bee, which far as I'm concerned is better than the onions. Wish we could all leave California. I start with that one because the first story that I have up, and then we'll go pick on San Francisco. I hope Dave is listening. Why are people leaving California? And you would think they'd be going like to Florida, Texas. Well, a lot of people have, but quite a few of them are going to Arkansas. Oh, okay. The story says you ask people why they're leaving the blue state of California, and they they give you a lot of answers. More freedom, lower cost of living, lower taxes, more family-friendly quality of life, no needles on the streets, fewer homeless population, no poop on the streets, you know, things like that. A lot of them are just tired, the story says. Tired of lockdown, tired of crime, tired of, uh, well, politicians who won't do anything to address any real issues but want to get involved in every little aspect of their personal lives. So the governor of Arkansas said, I've had my chance to ask that question a lot of times. Why are people leaving California? She said, that's because our state has received a steady influx of new residents for years. Today, there are thousands of California refugees. That's what she calls them, refugees. And thousands more from other states in our state of Arkansas. This year alone, about 32,000 new people moved to Arkansas. And about 10... Now, pause for a minute. One of my favorite jokes to tell, because I have friends from Arkansas. Yeah. Um, Arkansas is the only state that Alabama is allowed to make fun of. And if you got Alabama riding you, you're kind of low on the food chain. I also tell that joke in the reverse. Alabama is the only state that Arkansas is allowed to make fun of. But all right. So the governor of Arkansas says about 10% of them are from California. Of the 32,000 that moved in last year, about 10% were from California. Arkansas is now one of the top five states for inbound migration, and the flow isn't slowing down anytime soon. That's because, she says, my administration is focused on reform that will make Arkansas the best state in the country to live in, work, raise family. Not just in a few months in office, she says, we passed the boldest education reforms. Actually getting better education in the state. Not the garbage they're being taught in California schools. Including... A universal school choice. Oh, I like her. Cut taxes not once but twice and are making historic investments in outdoor recreation. We're cracking down on crime, getting woke nonsense out of our schools and keeping kids safe online. I like her. Could use more of this. She said, I think the chances will be the icing or the changes, pardon me, will be the icing on the cake for those who are already looking for a good place to live, like Arkansas. Take our cost of living, for example. 40% cheaper to live in Little Rock than Los Angeles. Housing is about 60% less expensive. Healthcare is about 15% cheaper. Imagine a family struggling to eke out a living for $500,000. That's no no small sum. And she's right about that. To eke out a living, in, if you're in California, you're making $500,000 a year. Yeah, you're you're really borderline poverty. That's how bad it's gotten. Rick is in Cheyenne. Hello, Rick. Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Good, sir. What you got? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Governor Gordon's a cattle rancher, isn't he? Yes, sir. 
Isn't he? Is he going to give up his cattle and start grazing tofu mm-hmm. or something? And I want to know if he's going to give up riding on Wyoming's corporate jets and driving his car with yes. all of the state troopers yeah. for support. Yeah, I, I, maybe he's wanting us to go backwards and start doing Conestoga wagons. Yeah. Okay. So now I guess it, using that as an example, let's go ahead and take a look at. It. So he's got to give up his cattle. Uh, any SUV that he rides around in as governor, because I've seen him arrive in an SUV with all of his security and so on. Uh, again, he can't fly the Wyoming jets anymore. But what about his personal house? How big is that? I mean, let's start taking a look at his carbon footprint to see what he's actually doing to reduce his own carbon footprint. Exactly. Stay out of my pocket till he's done playing with his own. All right. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. 8.15 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Wake Up Wyoming goes anywhere you do with the Wake Up Wyoming app. Free download for Apple and Android. This is K2 Radio. Eight twenty is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Talk triple eight ninety seven was the phone number for those people who want to call in. Like we just had one caller from Cheyenne, Wyoming. That would be Rick. So if you want to try triple eight ninety seven Woods, that's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Or people are messaging me from the Wake Up Wyoming app. Also in Cheyenne is Jan. I wonder if the governor is trading in his cattle for windmills and solar panels. Well, I think that is the question. I wondered about that myself as well. If the governor is so determined to make Wyoming carbon negative, not just carbon neutral carbon negative and a lot of his plans have to do with carbon sequestration but also grabbing co2 out of the air things like this then that's where i was asking the question what is he doing personally that's what rick was asking too what is the governor personally doing because i have seen the governor showed up at various events either in one of the state's private jets or riding across the state and uh big SUV. What does his personal house look like and his personal vehicle, stuff like that? Is he doing what he can do personally? Now, I'll say in his defense, what I said yesterday, I've uh, known Mark Gordon since before he was governor. Also, Governor Meade as well, you know, back before he was governor and when he was governor. And I found both of them to be very good men. In fact, for Governor Gordon, uh, I'm very impressed with the way he raised his daughters. He's a good family man, good businessman. And Wyoming has a massive nest egg because of what Gordon was doing before he was governor. I mean, the investments that we have as a state are just incredible because of him. He's a very smart businessman. So I don't have any problem with him personally. We just disagree on some things. So when it comes to the state of Wyoming becoming not just carbon neutral, but carbon negative, that's one of those issues that he and I really disagree on. And all I want to do, I want to demonize the guy because I don't think he's a bad person. But we disagree on this. And I don't think if I sit down with him for a while and talk to him about my beliefs when it comes to human caused climate change, we just are not going to we're not going to agree. So, OK, what do we do then? Well, I think the answer to that is get a hold of, like I did this morning, get a hold of some members of the House and Senate. Find out who your representatives are. You should know anyway, but if you don't, shame on you. But go ahead and find out who your representatives are and just encourage them. If the governor wants to believe these things and speak out 
in favor of fighting climate change as he sees it. Hey, he's allowed to do that. Go right ahead. But the state's not going to get involved in any of the projects. The House and Senate will just not give him the money or state resources to get involved in any such projects because the bulk of the state of Wyoming disagrees with the governor. Therefore, we just put the brakes on it. So that's what I sent out to my representatives and a few others, and they said they're working on some things. I don't know what that means yet, but they said we're working on some stuff because this is a budget session, this next legislative session. And as a budget session, that means they can go ahead and, well, squeeze the budget a bit so he can't get – the governor can't get some money where he would like to get some of that money. We'll see what happens. I'll keep you posted on that. All right, so – you can call in and change the subject if you want, 888-97-WOODS. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. I was picking on California. I'm going to go off now to San Francisco. Hey, Dave from San Francisco. You listening? meet some gentle people there. So two of the stories that I have for you. First off, restaurants shut down every week in a once booming San Francisco area because of drugs, vandalism. Restaurant owners, Valrica Street, at one time one of the most popular streets in San Francisco, are saying that crime, drug abuse, and low tourism because of crime, drug abuse, and homelessness, killing businesses, Quote, if you took me back before I signed the lease, I would have opened somewhere else at one restaurant owner. Before COVID, there was no way in hell you can find an available space on this street. But now, now it seems like another restaurant shuts down every week. The Chronicle wrote that these business owners are contending with some of the city's worst business problems, adding to a once bustling strip that became a microcosm for the city's wider restaurant rows, from inflation to public safety concerns. David White is one of the owners of Yellow Moto Pizzeria. I like that name. Believes the downturn has many causes. According to him, tourism hasn't bounced back from pre-pandemic levels. There's an increase in drug abuse, vandalism, homeless. I'm looking at a picture of the street here. Beautiful street at one time. But now it's a long homeless camp all the way down. Open-air drug use, rising crime. Other restaurant owners, one, Alexandria Gertz, told the Chronicle that her business was hurt by controversial bike lane programs that caused the removal of 71-metered parking spaces. It's only once in a blue moon that a delivery truck does a, a come to this corner, she says. So the lack of parking has affected as well. Thank you, city leaders, for that. A local organized business owner, vendors, found in a survey that a dip in customers and some owners describing it as worse than just a dip. So, okay, the, the director of the Golden Gate Restaurants Association said San Francisco's restaurant industry trade group 
has many members, but that membership is down considerably. I mean, a lot. All right. Next San Francisco story. San Francisco workers posted terrifying walk past drug drug addiction, homelessness, et cetera, et cetera. You've heard all this before, right? The terrifying reality, the story says, on San Francisco's drug-ravaged streets has been laid bare before one lifelong resident who decided to grab her phone and just record the walk down the city streets that she has to make, which she used to do all the time, just, hey, I'm going to go to work or wherever, and just walk. Don't you love living in a place where you can just go outside and just walk to where you need to go? Whenever I've lived in a major city like Tampa, I was pretty much walking distance from everything I needed or wanted to do, and I preferred that way. She captured the pre-dawn horror, the story says, as she gingerly picked her way through dozens of drug addicts, stepping over human waste and needles on the streets. Some people hunched against uh, the cold, intoxicated I mean, it really, you can understand what the scene looks like. It's really bad. The anxiety, she says, we experience as we walk down the street because they never know when some homeless person might decide to jump them. Who knows? Oh, I'm, t- look, I'm looking at some of the pictures with this, too. I'll watch the video in just a few minutes. But uh, these essentially are real dangers we face every single day. And we're just trying to provide for our family, just walk to work. So there's San Francisco for you. Uh, well, how much further does he, does this really need to fall apart before they decide what real action looks like and decide to take it? Coming up on 8.30, local news is coming away. Right after local news update on your weather forecast, and you and I are going to get back into it again. 888-97 was the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. You'll find in the weather forecast from Don Day some changes, but nothing horrible. It just is cooler. It's wetter today, maybe part of tomorrow, but then it just clears up but stays cooler. He'll explain it to you. Wake up, Wyoming. Glenn Woods fits in your pocket with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Thirty-six. the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Off we go to Laramie because Greg is holding by. Morning, Greg. Morning, Glenn. How you doing? Good, sir. What you got? Well, I... I... I preface it with Mary. I was talking about the progressive era, and I listened to your show. And um, yesterday's show, a lot of the links back to the progressive era seemed to present itself. And I wanted to uh, specifically target uh, Micah's description of <laughs> her belief or dream that Barassa would ever give up power. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I you remember that particular Yeah, call? I, I don't think so. Yeah, and 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 her, she articulated, and mm. lately Mitt Romney has too in his book, really excellent arguments for why we should repeal the Seventeenth Amendment, mm. and um, which is the popular election of senators. Right. Um, yeah. We would, I just think, when you look back at the Progressive Era, the Sixteenth, Seventeenth, and Eighteenth Amendments, and sometimes when I listen to 
Judy, I, I sometimes wonder whether the 19th Amendment was a good idea, but but that kind of talk gets me in real trouble. So okay. I wanted to articulate that, that it would be great if we went back to the 17th Amendment because our senators would have to um, go around the state and get uh, support from the state as well as the governor uh, before they could arise to the Senate seat. And that we would have a lot more turnover, turnover in the Senate. Um, I do think the progressive era is misnamed. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything progressive about it except right. for having women the right to vote. Right. Now, okay, so I want you to, if you would, mark down this date and time. It is November 7th, 2023. The time is 8.38, and you and I agree on something. <laughs> well, wow. it's the... It's do you remember the 7th of... The, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's, it's one of those strange times that would actually happen. No, I agree, because if anything, I would like to see... For those who wonder what he's talking about, there was a time, the way this was originally set up, that when it came to the Senate, the senators were picked by the Wyoming House and Senate. Every state did the same thing. And if you didn't... Well, sometimes governors picked it. Sometimes, yeah. States did different stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, the governors did, but didn't they have... Even if the governor picked, I think it still had to be gone through the process of the House and the Senate, you know, like a confirmation hearing kind of a thing, you know, which still Well, it's means, more like the Senate. Like, yes. the governor would pick and the Senate would advise and consent. Right, yeah, and so the idea Senate. was the House of Representatives was picked by the people of the state to represent the people. Right. And the senator was picked by the state to represent the state government, which is still supposed to represent the people. You know. But that's also, I think, a, a good idea for more of that adversarial uh, kind of, which the founding fathers set up. The whole form of government that we have is supposed to be adversarial. And so at times, who the people would pick for the House of Representatives would be quite different from what the state would pick for a senator. And I think that works well, personally. Yeah, I think I, I really, when I go back and look at it, I, I, if you look at a lot of our problems today, yeah, to me, when I look back at history, that particular time, like your description of fertilizer, I think there could yeah. be real discussions. And I have, I'm not calling about yeah. Governor Gordon or Arkansas, which I've been to Arkansas this year. Um, geez, I, I'm going to go visit California before I go back to Arkansas. Uh, okay. but Arkansas. Well, you heard what I said, though. Arkansas is the only state that Alabama is allowed to make fun of. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, all my income is derived from a small company in Alabama. So okay, I, I, got uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did go to Arkansas. This yeah. Time. But yeah, I think we should have these discussions. I'll call it about uh, Gordon and, and the other stuff because I think I do agree. You know, if you really look, um, geez, we wouldn't be here without fossil fuels and, and to deny that. And right. you, you know where I stand. You know what side of the aisle I am on. So, sure, uh, sure. I'm not loved on that side of the aisle for that particular stance. So. Okay. I, I agree. Have a good day. All right. Thanks for calling in, Greg. I appreciate it. And Mike has called. All right. Thank you. Uh, Greg from calling in from Lamy. Uh, just so you know, Greg is, I pick on Dave from San Francisco because Dave is very progressive, liberal, and he calls in and just a, is an obnoxious jerk, and so I end up hanging up on Dave. That's why I pick on Dave. Most Daves out there are really nice people. My, I had a brother named David. So, okay, I like Daves. There's a difference of between that and Greg. And Greg and I, we hardly ever agree. This was one of those rare times when we agreed on something. And yet you see how easy he is to get along with and talk to even when we disagree. James is in Casper. Morning, James. Hey, 
Morning, I just thought of an idea of where to put all the homeless and uh, everybody that's a problem in San Francisco. Okay. Alcatraz Island. Wow, you think we can fit them all on Alcatraz? I don't think I don't think Alcatraz is big enough for them. Oh, uh, that's their problem. Yeah, okay. So we just kind of stack them high. They have to double up on them. <laughs> okay. Stack Don't them worry. Cordwood. At some point, California breaks into the sea, and California becomes an Alcatraz, and then we're all okay after that, all right? Right. All right. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Now, to be a little more serious on the homeless problem, because he was just being tongue-in-cheek there. All right, so we face that problem. He's from Casper. That last James is from Casper. And James knows that Casper was going through a bit of a problem with homelessness this past summer to the point that an old hotel in Casper that had just been closed up, something went wrong financially and they just locked all the doors and left. And everything in the hotel was as it was. They still had bed sheets, fresh bed sheets on all the beds. I mean, everything was just perfect. And they just walked away, locked the doors. The homeless found out about it and the place got full quickly. And they trash the place. And also, I've seen as a you know, as I drive through Casper at early in the morning, yeah, people huddled in different places, homelessness, and so on. And so, Casper has been trying to figure out what to do about that. And so has Cheyenne, to name another place. What do you do? And I did get a note from someone in Douglas. Douglas has a problem down by the river with some little camps down there. So, of course, Wyoming doesn't have the problem anywhere near like what California does. But how do you really actually solve the problem? How do you actually solve it? Because it's not just, hey, buddy, get a job. There's different reasons for homelessness. If we really want to look at it, there are people who just fall on hard times. And it's legit. They just... We all know that life sometimes goes wrong and hard times happen. And good people fall into hard times through no fault of their own. But we have help for them. We have city, county, federal, state help. We have church and civic groups. There's help for them. So they don't need to be on the street. Then there are those people who are suffering from PTSD or other mental issues. And they really do need help, but we don't have anywhere to send them. There's no place to put them. People with substance abuse problems. And we haven't figured that out yet. Substance abuse is not a new thing. It's, it didn't come around since, well, we, since mess started, we had substance abuse. There was substance abuse long before you and I were ever born, going way back. Opium dens, things like this. So, you know, this kind of a problem is not a, a new problem. It's been around since human beings started building civilizations. The question is, what do you do about it? And the answer is not a simple one. And I am less and less inclined for any kind of a government program because government shows how inept they are at everything. So government programs to cure homelessness has not cured anything. It's just wasted a bunch of money. So what is the solution? Don't know. Keep working on it. Sure, hopefully somebody comes up with a better solution. I do think it's better solved at the local level rather than any federal program. But it's a lot of work. And just running them out of town doesn't solve anything. They just go to another town or they just come back. 845, wake up my own. Local and mobile across Wyoming and beyond with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 
848 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino waiting by. Frank, I got uh, two stories for you this okay, time. Okay, here right? we go. First off, the guy who had that big award-winning pumpkin. Yeah, that, like a 1,000 pounds. Oh, or whatever. 1,800. 1,800. Wow. He decided to finally dispose of the pumpkin in style. He blew it up. Excellent. Yes. And where did he blow it up at? Yeah, let me see. Uh, Warland. Excellent. That's I yeah. think that's the same place that they dropped the big pumpkins in the car. Yeah, yeah. So I think, and there's a picture of it here exploding with pumpkin pieces going all over the place. Those seeds would yeah. be everywhere. Then you're going to have 10,000 new pumpkins. Well, that's great. And I wonder, as far as all of the big pumpkin chunks, how many wild animals out there are looking at that going, mmm, Oh, I'll bet, you, I'll bet you every moose within 200 miles. Oh, maybe my Lord, there. yeah. So I think... What you do is you blow it up, but then you don't worry about cleaning up. You right, just, yeah. Let, let nature take care of exactly it. Exactly right. So I I approve of it. I just wish I was invited to the explosion to see it in person. Because, hey, an 1,800-pound pumpkin goes kablooey. Yeah, you want to be there for I want to be there to see it. Yeah. Pictures do not do it justice. No, no. You have to be there. Yeah. Okay. Now, <clears throat> tomorrow, I have been doing some research into this, Frank, because Wyoming needs to know. The squirrel-to-human ratio by state. Now, okay. in case you wait, didn't wait, So where know, do we rank in this whole thing? Yeah. I, I would say low. Uh, well, you'd be, okay, but now it's not how many squirrels, squirrels-to-humans. We have a low human population. Yeah, but everything's relative, though. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. So now, uh, by, by the way, Hawaii doesn't have any squirrels. Really? None. They couldn't get out there for some reason, but okay. It's a long swim. In... Wyoming, we are one of the top states in squirrels to humans. But then again, we only have a little over, well, we're, we're closing in on 600,000 people here. So do we have no squirrels or 600,000 squirrels? 21 squirrels for every one person. Oh. Yeah. I did, now, I did, sometimes you see the brown ones. Sometimes yeah. you see the black ones. Yeah. So now I grew up in Florida, and in Florida it's like a uh, – Five to one ratio. So that's five squirrels to one. Yeah. yeah. But 21 squirrels to one person in Wyoming. That's quite a bit. I would have to say, because a lot of the Western states that I look here, I mean, Colorado has a lot more people. Yeah. Okay. They're in the four to one category. But you figure their population's a lot bigger. This is research, Frank. I am researching well, well, this. Well, why are we, we have 26 to 1? I don't know. Because we only have 500-some thousand people. <laughs> exactly. Women's college basketball from last night. The Wyoming Cowgirls defeated North Dakota 77-60 to start the season. UW outscored North Dakota 20-7 to in the fourth quarter. And Douglas High School grad Allison Furley turned in another terrific performance with 18 points and 11 rebounds. She was 5 of 9 from the field and 8 for 8 from the free throw line. In fact, the Cowgirls were 14 for 14 from the free throw line, but 3 of 21 from the three-point line. Wyoming will host Nebraska on Friday night at 6.30. The Wyoming Cowboys open up the season tonight against northern New Mexico. It'll be at 6.30 in Laramie. There's nowhere to go it up after a train wreck of a season a year ago. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KCGY in Laramie. And the Wyoming Cowboy football team will be at UNLV on Friday night. The folks are coming off a great 24-15 win over Colorado State in the border war back on Friday to get the 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in Mountain West play. The Pokes retain the bronze boot and are bowl eligible. 
The defense really did a nice job in this game. They held CSU to 54 yards on the ground. They forced three turnovers, and CSU was 0 for 10 on third down. On offense, Harrison Whaley with a nice game. 128 yards on the ground. Quarterback Andrew Peasley threw a couple of TD passes. UNLV is much improved. They are 7-2 and overall, 4-1 and in league play. 8.45 start from Vegas on Friday. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB in Laramie. In junior college volleyball, Casper College earned a spot in the National Junior t- Junior Tournament as they will won the B portion of the Region 9 tournament in Sterling, Colorado. The Birds won two matches on Saturday to punch their ticket to Nationals, beating Central Wyoming and Western Wyoming. Casper College rated 17th in the country with a record of 28-12. and 12. That National Tournament will be in Hutchinson, Kansas, starting on the 15th of November. The LCCC volleyball team from Cheyenne eliminated by Casper College on Friday in that Region 9 tournament, so they finished the year with a record of 29-8. and 8. The Casper College men's soccer team earned a spot at the National Tournament with a win over Otero in the Region 9 finals in La Junta, Colorado, in a match that had six rounds of penalty kicks. The Casper College women's soccer team finished the year 13-2-2, but did not qualify for nationals, losing to Otero in penalty kicks in the Region 9 tournament. The birds were rated 14th in the country, but the LCCC women's soccer team did qualify. They beat Otero on Saturday 3-0. They're rated 19th in the country and have a record of 10-3-3. Sounds like Wyoming volleyball needs to get about as much attention as Wyoming football. It's pretty good. Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm, and it's 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 exciting. It's it's so volleyball is so fast. It I mean, is. I yeah. mean, by the time they hit the ball and could be at your nose, could right. be a blink of an eye. Well, I told you about me covering volleyball when I was on my yeah, high school. Yeah. There, so I mean, uh, wow. That it's really impressive to see how well they're doing, especially how they're nationally ranked. Yeah, nationally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they need more attention. Thank mm-hmm. you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. News time after that. Open phones in the 9 o'clock hour. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Six of the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right, phone lines are open. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. All right, this is. I just have to shove everything aside to put this story up because this just popped up in front of me before I turned on. Moments before I turned on the mic. Future Darwin Award winner tries to target Jewish children in America's Midwest. Now, that doesn't mean she is a Darwin Award winner. She's a future Darwin Award winner. Now, for those who haven't heard of it, the Darwin Awards, I love them. See, amongst other animals out there in the wild, they survive various ways. Camouflage or armor like the turtle or defensive weapons, claws and teeth, stuff like that. They're strong, they're fast, whatever it might be. Stealthy, whatever it might be. With human beings, we got to where we are because we're smart. Now, of course, Darwin, the law of natural selection, weeds out the weaker ones. So in nature, if an animal survives by being fast, but it's not all that fast and it gets caught, that's a weaker one. It gets weeded out. An animal who hides because of its camouflage, but its camouflage by genetics was not as good as it should have been, Well, that camouflage 
didn't save it. So it gets weeded out. With human beings, it's supposed to be the stupid people get weeded out. So I'm going to tell you in just a moment what this lady tried to do and why she will possibly be a future Darwin Awards winner. But first, Fred is in Colorado, who's still trying to recover from the time change. Morning, Fred. Boy, I'll tell you what, it takes me about six months to do that. Does it, and Then yeah. I do it again. Yeah. Actually, Glenn, it, it has to do more, and this is a serious topic, it has to do more with when the station, and I listen to you on KGAB, turns their signal up and turns its signal down. Right, yeah. Now, in the modern world of the 21st century, you would think the FCC could come up with a better plan. You know, you come on sometimes at quarter after the hour, the power goes up, or it's quarter to the hour. Right. Now, that's like turning on a television program that starts at on the hour, and you miss the first 15 minutes or 45 minutes. Right. You know, I think what they ought to do is is set it up so that when you go through these time changes, they go from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., mm-hmm. go up. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., go down. Keep it simple. Not this, you know, last month, I think it was quarter after the hour I called, right? Your power went up. Now it's quarter to the hour. Right, yeah. Do you understand why they changed the power? Oh, I understand the theory. I know know that. Okay. But, you know, even with the time change, Glenn, we've got, you know, this thing keeps dancing around like, you know, a hot potato. Yeah, they're trying to keep up. It's supposed to be that the power goes up and down based on actual sunrise and sunset not based on the time change. So as we get into the winter months, the high power is going to be less time than in the summer months, regardless of whether they do the time change or not. But my point is that I, that I agree with you. I understand yeah. that. My point is this. The FCC, we are now in the 21st century yeah. where probably you have more listeners who listen to you on apps than they do on a conventional radio True. like I do. Yeah. And so why don't they just come up to the, a new standard that I'm proposing and not say, oh, well, whenever the sun comes up and the sun comes down. You know, I just say 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and be right. done with it. Well, they, they, I guess because, you know, how this works, the problem then would be we would really have to control how much signal we put out because we would be interfering with other AM stations that are on the same frequency just further out. Well, I, I understand all of that. I'm just trying to make it simple for okay. the listener. Well, you're simple, but see, you're stubborn. Fred. I know I am. Yeah, so the answer, one of the reasons that we have so many people that are listening off the app of their phone is because they want to hear the program, but the station you're listening to is not up to high power yet, so they just go to the phone and just listen off the phone. Well, when I'm out for my morning walk, I have a little transistor radio. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's how I listen to you. But I have, here's what I do, though. I go for walks, right? What I do is I take a little headset and I plug it into my phone and I go ahead and pull up whatever I want to listen to, radio or uh, we, whether it's a podcast, whatever it might be. And I go for a walk with those headphones in just like it's a transistor radio. You know, Glenn, you're still into that novelty stuff, aren't you? Yeah. That newfangled <laughs> interweb thing all the kids yeah. are talking about, which you and I, Fred, know is just a passing fan. That's right. Yeah, I've got right. two other things if I can be real well, quick. Go for you. it. Yeah, go ahead. You have, you love Bugs Bunny, which I do. Oh, too, yeah, he's my hero. Way. Yeah. And you have a lot of times you have topics that are, I would refer to as the Looney Tune topics. Sure. So I think when you're proposing, like you do for Judy, you know, she's got her theme song. You use the Warner Brothers theme song that, that's, that they use for Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I can okay. definitely do that and add that to the file. I think it's a great idea. And then the third one is, um, I don't know if you ever listened to the Clear Out West guys. That are oh, on. yeah. Love them. 
Well, they had a quote one time, and I think this is perfect for what Miss Mary, when she introduces the fact you can now call in. This is what one of them said one time, quote, without the First Amendment, we wouldn't know who the idiots are. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's I, why I'm never afraid. I, I don't want to shut anybody up. I hear that all the time from both sides, by the way. I don't want to shut anybody up. I want people to talk. It reminds me, Fred, of, you know, I haven't seen it in a while. I think the fad is passing. But when you would see somebody walking down the street with their pants hanging down below their butt, <laughs> okay, there are some cities around America that tried to ban that. And my answer is no, please don't do that. I want to know who's doing that because I hate talking to idiots. And that tells me that that person's an idiot. Well, and they add spice to your program. Sure does. You know, like yeah. Dave from San Francisco. Yeah. If you didn't have him calling in, Mary wouldn't have part of her uh, see? promo. Okay, see, I need the show prep, so I need these people to keep talking. Right. Well, have a great day. Go All ahead. right. Thank you, Fred. Now, I like Fred a lot. I really like Fred a lot. <clears throat> but, Fred, I tell you, every so often you call up and you identify a problem, and I point out to you that we solved that problem with the Internet and today's cell phones, but you refuse to turn to that solution. Fred, <laughs> Judy. Oh, wait. Hang on, Judy. Hang on. i got to set this up since I mentioned this in the first place. Uh, see, there's a chance. Okay. There we go. And then we fire the music over here. You see, this is the only person that gets her own theme song introduction just because it makes so much sense. But I figured she was going to call in at some point this morning because I was talking about truckers. So, hey, Jude. Hey, uh, you know, you're always following that gas buddy for fuel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they don't tell you what diesel's running. Okay. And right now it's four fifty nine. Yeah. And our fuel bill went from oh, I think it was like uh twenty one thousand before Biden took office and now it's like sixty two. Right. Okay, so that cuts into our profits big time. And the second part, um, there's only so big of a piece of a pie, like we're fuel carriers. Well there's only X number of them and the big boys always seem to outbid us. If we don't stay on top of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we don't get to raise our rates. We have to eat whatever comes down the, you know, the pike as mm -hmm. far as uh, price increases and stuff. But you have to realize Wyoming gets quite a bit of chunk of the fuel money, too. I mean, they're saying they're not going to raise the taxes on it, but they've already raised it. I mean, the state gets like 40 cents on the gallon and then the federals get like i don't know 23 if they would quit price gouging our own people we'd mm -hmm. probably be okay for a while but we need to open up our refinery and third uh without us truckers you guys will starve yeah because 90 percent of what's in your house right now comes in by us oh yeah go to your grocery in fact you remember this judy there was a couple of times, well, COVID was one of them when that whole nonsense started. But also we've had some storms here and all of a sudden our local grocery stores were just about bare. And that's because we went just a few days, just like two, three days yeah, without hours. trucks arriving. Yeah. yeah, 72 hours is all anybody's stock. And right now, most of your stores like that hold up uh, auto parts and all of that. Yeah. They don't carry anything. Everything we get for our trucks and everybody else's cars and all of that stuff has to be brought in. Right. I mean, you have to order it from whether you're doing it online or you have to do it 
at the store, but nobody keeps supply chains full anymore. Yeah. And that's what's wrong with America is you can't just go to the store and say, hey, I need uh, four new truck tires. Oh, no. Right. You've got to hunt those puppies down. I mean, <laughs> you know, go from four or five different big tire stores to even find, you know, two good ones for your steering tires. But now, Judy. And then you've got Judy, insurance. You Judy, know? we're all going to go to electric trucks from now on, so it'll be fine. Remember what I was telling you? Can you just see a little robot jump out of the driver's seat <laughs> and run around to the side and kick the tire? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then go tick, 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 tick back into the truck and go, uh, <laughs> sir, I can't change this tire. Uh, we're stuck on the side of the highway. That's right, yeah. And yeah. what did your guy say this morning about a battery being how much? Yeah. 50,000 pounds? Mm-hmm. That ain't gonna work. No, they now, work. They, if they, they're working on making those batteries a lot less, but even if they made them light enough, we still don't have the grid to charge all of that. Nope, we sure don't, and I don't think we ever will, not with wind yeah. and solar as, as supposedly the big, yeah. you know, kahuna thing, but look at California. You can't even go into California. My trucks wouldn't be allowed in California, because right. I'm not equipped with all that smog crap. Right. You know? And that's why you can't get anything, you know, brought out of California on a regular basis. Because only X number of trucks could even go in. Yeah. All right, Jim. Yeah. Thanks for calling. 917, Wake Up Wyoming. Start your day the right way. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. 923 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to Wheatland we go to talk to Daniel. Thanks for hanging on through that break there, Daniel. What you got for me? I'm cool, yeah. Nothing like, uh, uh, yeah, global warming or global cooling. It's just climate change in general. Where yeah. it started is with Adam and Eve. It started when they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Wow, that was climate change. Mm-hmm. And then Noah the flood then it's like those people didn't see rain they there wasn't rain up until that flood for noah and it's like i don't know what they were thinking as far as climate change and i, I don't know any other ones well i did a story this morning in fact sin. I, it's from sin it's from sin what's causing climate change it's yeah. sin well i just what don't know Going back uh, just throughout Earth's geological history, Wyoming is one of the best places to look at geology because so much is exposed in just the right way. And we can see that, you know, where we are right now used to be at the bottom of an inland sea. It also used to be a swamp. It used to be a lake. And now it's a high plains desert. And that's just changed, I mean, over time and continues to this day. So when hasn't it changed? And there's been times when the planet's been a lot warmer than it is now but the CO2 level was almost non-existent. There's also been ice ages that have happened where Wyoming was completely buried under massive amounts of ice, but the CO2 level was very high at the same time. So it never stops, and it's not because of CO2. But it's because, well, it's because of sin. That's, like, that's, what, that's why, why the climate change is because it's, because it's caused by man because of sin. Oh, you think because of sin is fine. Okay. Noah, Noah, Noah flood, or God flooded. Right. Uh, God had Noah build the boat. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Those people sin. <laughs> All right. If you think it's because it of sin. Come well, then we'll get I with did. the governor on that one and see if he can go ahead and sequester sin. And then maybe it'll <laughs> stop.
All right. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. In fact, I have a story, if you want, on the Wake Up Wyoming site this morning. I just saw – I love following different sciences in general, not just science, but sciences. And one of the stories I have here, the title is Wyoming uh, Creighton. It's basically what they call it, uh, was the nucleus of North America. And basically – so it was a geologist who was speaking – in front of a Wyoming geology conference. And I think he was in Cody, I believe. Cody or Jackson, one of those two places. And he says, this is a quote from him, one can strongly argue that North American continent grew around the Wyoming uh, creation. Uh, it was rocks and so on, and it was a lot of lava, and, you know, under, it was all underwater at one point, under the ocean. And this starts to build up that eventually became what we now call Wyoming and North America built from that center point. So if you want to think that you're the center of the world here in the state of Wyoming, at least you are of North America because according to this geologist, North America built up what is now what we consider to be Wyoming. But it used to be at the bottom of the ocean. And his entire talk goes on and on about how the climate continually changed. He was not advocating for or against man-made climate change. He just continued to talk about how the geology changed and how the climate changed. It's an interesting article. It's on the Wake Up Wyoming site this morning. Lee is in Casper about electric vehicles. Hello, Lee. Hey, how you doing? Good, sir. What you got? Well, I was uh, several months ago, I read an article. Some guy out in California took his Tesla a brand-new Tesla, and he plumbed an alternator into that thing. It voided his warranty, but he hasn't had to charge his car in two years. So if he can do that and doesn't need a charging station at his house or wherever he's going, because when the car is moving, it's charging. Oh, I see. That would get rid of all these charging stations. I would have to look that up to see... I know that there has been talk about, you know, for example, you've, you've heard about this. Some people have designed it. When you come to a full stop in a vehicle, that's a lot of energy that you could store up to get started again. And most of your fuel right. usage comes from starting from a dead stop. That's where you waste the most gas, if you will. Right. Uh, so people have designed right. a system that will capture that, basically wind up like a coil and then release it so you can start again. But I haven't heard anything about an right. alternator being plugged into a Tesla so you can charge because the vehicle is moving. That would be interesting. I'd like to, I'll see if I can find that article. Yeah, because uh, like I say, he, he claims that he hasn't had to charge his car in yeah. like two years. I think Not he... Like- yeah. Well, if that's the case, why didn't they put alternators on them? Yeah, on every single with, one. So you can see why I'm skeptical yeah. of that, but I'll look for it to see if I can find it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, if, if they apply that to trucks, yeah. that would be fantastic. All right. If they want to go that way. I'll look into it. All Thank right, you. I appreciate all. it. Now, I'm, I'm skeptical of that claim. I think you can imagine why. But I'll look it up to see anyway, to see what the story is all about. Because I can understand... While a an electric vehicle is running on its own battery, that you can use that momentum to run a charging unit to further charge the battery. But then again, you got to understand, of course, there are certain laws of physics that apply. Would you ever get a full charge out of that? I, I'll, you know, I tell you what, I'll see if I can find the article and then I'll 
talk about it. Interesting, but I have my doubts. Coming up on 930, local news coming your way. Right after local news update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. The best talk show host in the state, within his price range. Tune in to Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods, weekdays at 6. Nine thirty-six. the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. So, thank you, onward to the stars out of Douglas. You are saying exactly what I just looked up, and it answers what Lee was saying in Casper. Lee, if you're still there. So I decided during the course of the break to look up real quick because Lee says he read some some article somewhere where somebody basically put an alternator or something like that on an electric vehicle. The idea is the electric vehicle is already moving on electric power, so why not use that motion to run something that will charge the battery as it goes? And the answer is there is no such thing as a free lunch. You will never get back the same amount of power as you put out, that would be perpetual motion, which is not possible. You are never... And and so I looked at several articles by... And and some of these articles are from the automotive industry making electric vehicles. So can you put a charging unit on your electric vehicle that will recharge the electric vehicle as you drain the battery to run the vehicle? Yes, but you get such a tiny amount out of it it really doesn't make any sense. It was looked into, in other words. You don't get back nearly as much as you think you're going to. So Onward and Douglas says, just think about it. It takes 12 hours to charge a regular 110 outlet from a 110 outlet. How would an alternator put out enough power to keep your Tesla charged? And there's the answer. An alternator would never put out enough power to recharge it. Even though you're moving down the road at a pretty good clip, okay, would you get some energy back? Yes, but never enough to really recharge the energy. So it it isn't used because it, even though it was looked into, it's like we're never going to get enough back to really have – it doesn't make sense. So, no, they're never going to do that. All right. Um, well, there's a lot of things I've heard over the – oh, in fact, Chet, you've got a good one. Based on what I was saying uh, as well to Lee on my example, look at dynamic braking on locomotives. It's a thought, and uh, Russia attempted it. So that one is, and some automotive manufacturers attempted this as well. I always thought it was interesting. I'd like to see someone really make this work. And I know there's a few automobiles out there that did try it, but the idea is, all right, you're driving down the road. And you come across a stoplight. And so you let the vehicle, well, you put on your brakes to slow down the vehicle. And it coils up, we'll just call it, for sake of argument, it coils up a spring, let's say. you know, Like when you're winding a clock, it coils up something like that. Okay. And so now that energy is stored, coiled up. And then when you release your brake to go now that the light has changed green, that will uncoil and assist. it will not restart your car getting it going down the road, but it will assist so you don't have to use as much gasoline to get started again. Now, people have been asking for a long time, why doesn't every automobile have one of those? Uh, several reasons. Weight is one of them. 
But also, it never worked as well as people thought it was going to work, not with today's technology anyway. So it has been tried, but so far, really no one ever really got it to work like they wanted it to work. Maybe someday someone will, but so far, no. I did touch on this story a little while ago. I'm going to mention it real quick. The future Darwin Awards winner. A woman in Indiana plowed her car into a building she thought was a Jewish school. The police described her as a terrorist, which she is, and she was arrested at the scene. However, not only was her intention to hurt or kill Jews, school children specifically in the school, but she was completely mistaken about her target the 34-year-old woman allegedly backed her vehicle into a building associated with black Hebrew Israelites on Friday. She admitted to the police that she specifically targeted the building because she offered... Well, she was offended by the Hebrew Israelite symbol up front. So this psycho lady thought she was entitled to try to harm children because she was offended by a symbol. Hmm. Okay. Well, now this is why I say future Darwin Awards winner. But here again is somebody who thinks that because I'm offended by something, I am allowed to go hurt other people. If you're thinking, yeah, that's like the woke generation. Actually, even before that, there's always been people like this. They've always been around. Someone who thinks that because I am offended by something... I am allowed to get violent and hurt other people, even her children. They've always existed. They always have. One of the reasons I'm in favor of the ability to defend oneself, you know, in any, someone can always surprise you like this woman, but one of the reasons we need to be able to defend ourselves, which is why I'm a Second Amendment advocate, to name one, is because of people like this. There's your basic criminal element out there that we always have to worry about. But we also have to worry about people like this. I am offended for whatever reason. Therefore, see, onward to the start of Douglas. A lot of electricity and hybrids use it already. They do? Okay, yeah. Now, I can imagine it's a good system. Are you talking about which system? The coil system? True dog. I've thought long, uh, I have long thought that if the technology ever gets there, EVs should have solar panels on their roofs and hood. Neither batteries or solar panels are efficient enough at this time. 9.42 is the time. Wake up. Honestly, he's just happy to be here. Catch Glenn Woods on Wake Up Wyoming weekdays at 6 on air on Alexa and on the Wake Up Wyoming app. Nine forty-eight is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to the ice box. Frank Gambino's waiting by. Frank, people are getting better and better at putting signs on the back of their cars. Bumper stickers just don't cut it anymore. No, you got to put them on the rear, on the yeah. the rear, the rear, that, on the window. On the window there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then people also are buying individual lettering that'll just stick on and making their own message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it can change. You sure. Know? I like this one here in big letters. Uh, this is a minivan, back of a minivan, right? So big letters, first off, across the top. Driver is old. Okay, that explains a lot right there. Yeah, yeah. means, means. 
yeah. Pull over and stay out of the way. Just, yeah, just yeah, don't worry about it. And then the next off to the <laughs> side. Yeah, and what do you want yeah. us to do? Yeah, just to drive, just so you know, this driver's old. That explains a lot. Yeah. Next, can't hear your horn. Say again, oh. just... Can't hear your horn. Uh-huh. So just explaining a lot there. Old, can't hear your horn. And then on the other side, can't see your finger. <laughs> <laughs> so just get used to the idea. And underneath, have Can a nice... Can they see the road? Yeah. <laughs> underneath, have a nice day. <laughs> so I think that that's just absolutely perfect for things that you want to put on your back yeah. of your car. <laughs> Now, I used to have a bumper sticker. We've talked about bumper stickers before that said, so many pedestrians, so little time. Yes, I know. Oh, I yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. I, I do know that there are systems you can have set up where you can go ahead and write your own message, and it appears in lights in your back window. Oh, like LED lights? And then yes. You, and then yeah. you can keep changing them? Sure. And you can pre-program oh, those messages. So if somebody's tailgating and you'd like to say something to them? Yeah? Uh Whatever happened to just plain bumper stickers? Or just a finger. I mean, there's gestures. There's ways to thank somebody using gestures. Of course. There's ways to tell them off and tell them what you think of them using gestures. There's even ways, although I find it to be very unsuccessful, to try to pick up women using gestures. It doesn't mm. work, Frank. It just doesn't. Yeah, I don't no, think it does. It no. Bother, no, no. But you get the idea that there's all sorts of different ways that we can. There's sign language. There's universal sign language out there, Frank. Oh, oh yeah. That. There's universal things that, they, and then they yeah. mean the same thing no matter what country you're in sure. or wherever. Yeah. You know. Do you have anything on your car that talks about your favorite? No, teams? not really. Nothing? No. Okay. I mean, it speaks for itself that it's been. You know, through hell and back, you know, but okay, that's that's about it. Okay, I just try to just go from point A to point B. You're not trying to deliver a message to anybody. No, no, no. no. Okay. I'm I'm here with you in the mornings. I what, can deliver uh, any message I you want. Yeah. yeah, I do have a sticker on the back of my car. Which the reason I have that sticker is there are some people, a few people, who know what that means. You know what? And I've seen it, and I don't yes. see. Okay. I have no idea. No. It, for those who don't know, it says, who is John Galt? If you know what that means, we can probably be friends. You know, Frank? Oh. I think, I, but not everybody says hi to me because of it. All right. Junior college volleyball, Casper College earned a spot in the in the JUCO National Tournament. They won the B portion of the Region 9 Tournament in Sterling, Colorado over the weekend. T-Birds won two matches on Saturday to punch their ticket to Nationals, beating Central Wyoming and Western Wyoming. Casper College is 17th in the country with a record of 28-12, and 12, and that National Tournament will be in Hutchinson, Kansas, starting the 15th of November. The LCCC volleyball team from Cheyenne was eliminated by Casper College on Friday in their Region 9 tournament and finished the year with a record of 29-8. and 8. The Casper College men's soccer team earned a spot in the National Tournament with a win over Otero in their Region 9 finals in La Junta, Colorado, and a match that had six rounds of penalty kicks. Casper College women's soccer team finished the year 13-2-2. They did not qualify for nationals, losing to Otero on penalty kicks in the Region 9 tournament. The birds were rated 14th in the country. However, the LCCC women's soccer team, rated 19th in the country, uh, did qualify for nationals. They beat Otero on Saturday 3-0, and they have a record of 10-3-3. Women's college basketball from last night at the, at the Division One level. The Wyoming Cowgirls defeated North Dakota in Laramie to start the season 77-60. Wyoming had a very nice fourth quarter 
quarter, outscoring North Dakota 20-7. to And Douglas High School grad Allison Ferdy turned in another terrific performance with 18 points and 11 rebounds. She was 5 of 9 from the field, 8 for 8 from the free throw line. In fact, the Cowgirls were 14 for 14 from the line, but an iffy 3 of 21 from the three-point line. Wyoming will host Nebraska on Friday night at 6.30. The Wyoming Cowboy basketball team opens up the season tonight in Laramie, hosting Northern New Mexico at 6.30. And there's nowhere to go it up after a train wreck of a season a year ago. And we'll have that for you on KG Radio and Casper and KCGY and Laramie. Wyoming Cowboy football team will be at UNLV on Friday night. The folks are coming off a 24-15 win over Colorado State in the border war back on Friday. So they're 6-3 and overall, 3-2 and in Mountain West play. They retain the bronze boot and they're bowl eligible. Defense for Wyoming was sharp. They held CSU to 54 yards rushing. They forced three turnovers and CSU went a 0 for 10 on third down. That's just a tremendous defensive effort. On offense, Harrison Whaley went a nice game, 128 yards on the ground. Quarterback Andrew Peasley threw a couple of TD passes. UNLV uh, much improved. The Rebels are set. Rebels are seven and two overall, four and one in league play. Eight forty-five start from Vegas on Friday. We we'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB in Laramie. Todd, just in a little conversation with Miss Mary here. We always have this monthly meeting or weekly meeting. Yeah. And we take bets on whether the meeting at work is actually going to take place or not. Oh, is it a fifty-fifty thing? Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. And uh, what we don't ever want to do is let the guy who puts on the meeting know that we have a office pool going on whether we're going to have a meeting or not. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you can rig that by everybody saying no there's not a meeting because yeah. you're not going to you're not going to show up. But then you see if the guy who puts the meeting together knew that we were betting on it, knowing him Ian, he would have fun with it. I'm, I'm sure he in, would. At, at our expense. In, in, in an empty room. That's right. All right, thank you Frank coming up on some local business we got to take care of a news time. Wake up my own.